This is the Turn on the Jets podcast. I don't have to convince any one of those eight defensive coaches how effed up I am. These players, they want to defend MetLife Stadium for you guys. Here's your host, Joe Caparoso. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of TurnOnTheJets.com. Today, this is going to be a two-part episode where part one lives on right here on the Turn on the Jets feed, and part two will live on our daily podcast, Play Like a Jet Feed, hosted by Scott Mason, who will be joining me today as we go through my design for an overly ambitious, some would say, New York Jets offseason plan. Scott and I will go back and forth about some of the transactions that I laid out in my article on the site last week, and also talk about some other perspective ways the Jets could go about improving and rebuilding their roster. Before we get into our conversation, as a reminder, please subscribe, rate, review this podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, get those ratings in. Please hang tight with me on this feed, on Twitter, on TurnOnTheJets.com. For more information on the larger audio project I've been working on this offseason, which should drop at some point in mid to late February, excited about that one, uh, while keeping rolling with the weekly content right here. Scott, how you doing today? Happy to be doing another two-parter across our two feeds. Hey, I'm pumped up, Joe. I'm looking forward to the Super Bowl. This should be one of the best Super Bowls in a while. On paper, it's a very even matchup, and I love the idea that you've got the high-powered offensive team in the Chiefs and the well-rounded team in the 49ers that's not as high-powered offensively, but that really has a solid team all the way around. There's no true weak spot with the 49ers. So we're going to see if Patrick Mahomes can be Superman, which he very well may be because he's been Superman for most of his career thus far. I love the fact that the line on this game is only one point. That shows you how close these teams are on paper. That line is like perfect because this is like the best all-around team versus the most fun team. You have the big quarterback who's going to score a ton of points who everyone's going to be excited about Mahomes and I feel like some people will sleep on just how good the 49ers are because of how kind of old school in some ways they are with the running and defense and a quarterback doesn't need to do all that much. But it's a really good matchup. And again, I've said this every round. I'm just so happy New England's not playing this weekend. It's just so refreshing. I, I'm just enjoying every second of not dealing with the Patriots on divisional weekend, on championship weekend, and now Super Bowl weekend. It's beautiful. really is the icing on the cake of what's been a pretty good NFL season, other than the Jets, which, by the way, is why we're doing this podcast, because you had the 12-point plan of how the Jets can make some bold moves and really change their fortune in the offseason. So since this is the Turn on the Jets podcast, and we're going to do part two as an episode of the Roundtable on Play Like a Jet tomorrow, why don't we get it going right now? Joe, take us through the beginning of your plan. How did you first start to formulate this? And then let's go from 1 to 12, and you can go in order, whichever order it is you like, because obviously there's no one way you can unveil the order. It's all kind of weaved together. So, yeah, I think my basis of this strategy is basically doing something very radical to how the roster is built. The Jets have oversaturated their roster and their most premium resources with defensive players the past decade. They've taken, I believe, one offensive player in the first round this decade, and that's Sam Darnold. Uh, all their first-round picks have went to defense. Uh, all their major spends have went to defense. C.J. Mosley, Tremaine Johnson, more, re more recently, you know, who both got you know, more money 
than what even Le'Veon Bell got, which was their big offensive spend. And this is basically saying what we're doing now is broken. We've been out of the playoffs nine years in a row. We haven't even been close to the playoffs in the past four years. We need to radically shake things up and take immediate advantage of the remaining three years left on Sam Darnold's rookie deal because we're either going to have to pay him a ton of money that's going to change how the whole team is built, or if it doesn't work out, we're going to need to find a quarterback again, which hopefully is not the case and I don't think will be the case. Um, So the clock is ticking. So this is meant to be drastic and meant to be outside the box from what a typical offseason would be. And that's not necessarily something I think would happen. I do think a lot of these moves could be on the table, maybe more so than some people think. But really, the primary thing that kicks this off is a move that would be very, very unpopular, and understandably so, because he's the best player on the Jets, he's the face of the franchise, and he's the best safety in the NFL. And that would be trading Jamal Adams for a haul of draft picks. What that exact amount of picks are, I'm not sure the way I mapped it out in this article was the Dallas Cowboys first rounder this year, their third rounder this year, and then a conditional mid rounder the year after the ultimate hall might be a little more, might be a little less. The point is, is that you're getting another first rounder this year and another pick in the first three rounds this year, which gives you immense draft flexibility when you already have two third round picks. This basically gives the Jets the ability to, move up and get one of the clear-cut best offensive linemen in the draft if they get locked out at 11 and address that position while also adding other need spots that they have, particularly on offense, which is wide receiver, uh, while also considering some of the problems they have on defense uh, in edge and cornerback. So this would basically be teeing it up to be what should be a transformational draft of them drafting five to six offensive players in the first three rounds to build around Sam Darnold with the next three years. And look, Jamal Adams is the best safety in football, in my opinion. He's a great player. He's a great ambassador for the team. I just think ensuring that Darnold is at least above average by giving him the best supporting cast possible has more value to wins than having the best safety in football. And I think Adams has been arguably the best safety in football the past two years, and the Jets have not been remotely close to being a competitive team. And that's not a knock on him. It's just a matter of how you – allocate your resources and I think it's time for them to try something different do I think this is going to happen I put it at like a 10 or 15 percent chance clearly they entertained it on the trade deadline but basically the goal is to stack up draft capital early in the draft and not get in a situation where the Jets are sitting at 11 and saying oh my god all the offensive linemen are gone now we have to take an edge rusher or now we're going to trade back or take someone we're not that excited about they have the collateral now to say you know what we're going to go get Andrew Thomas we're going to go get one of these other guys who is highly ranked as an offensive lineman in the top 10 before that big drop-off happens after the big four. I'm not necessarily against this. I remember the last time that the Jets made a move like this. They traded John Abraham for the 29th pick in the draft and used that pick to get Nick Mangold, and I think everybody would agree that that worked out well. The only thing for me is I think you need to get more for Jamal Adams because – Over the second half of the season, after the trade deadline and all the sour stuff that went back and forth, I thought he really turned into Troy Palomalo 2.0, for lack of better terminology here. He was all over the place. Greg Williams really seemed to unlock him. We always knew that Jamal Adams was an excellent player, but I think we saw a whole other level from him. And I think also it provided the blueprint for whoever would be here later, because if, say, Adam Gase is gone and Greg Williams goes with him at a certain point, and a new defensive coordinator comes in, now the key is there, the blueprint is there for how to use Jamal Adams 
all the way through for the rest of his career. To me, you look at a safety and you say, okay, this is not a piece that you necessarily need. It's a luxury piece for a team that's already good. But I think the way that Adams can be deployed makes him different. If you're going to trade him with two years left on his rookie deal, being as great as he is, I think you need to get something close to what Joe Douglas reportedly asked for at the trade deadline, which is a one and two twos. Maybe I'd take a little bit less, but it would need to be something around that. I'd need to have my socks blown off in order to trade Jamal Adams. And I've changed my mind on this a few times, but that's where I'm at right now. I'm not against trading him, but if I'm going to trade him, I have to get an enormous haul, especially since, and this is nothing against Joe Douglas, we've seen the hit rate of the draft picks that the Jets have had over the years, and we could go through the list of good first-round picks, bad first-round picks, but you never know what you're getting. With Jamal Adams, what you do know is that you have this very impactful player at a traditionally non-impactful position at safety, but a guy who can really be a key piece of the defense for years to come. So if I'm trading him this young with this few injury issues and with two years remaining on his rookie deal, I want more than what you outlined. Again, not against trading him necessarily, but I would want more. And I'm not against building up that offensive line because, Joe, that leads into the second part of this, which is opening things up for Le'Veon Bell. And the way to do that would be to really improve that offensive line. And you need to do that with your premium picks, first, second, third, fourth round. Now, you and I have talked about this off the air. I think that Mike McCagnan and John Idzik and to a lesser extent, Mike Tannenbaum have poisoned Jets fans' minds to the idea that you can use picks past the first round to get impactful players. So I think that while it would be nice to have that extra first round pick to maybe get an extra offensive lineman or even another toy on the offensive side of the ball, perhaps a wide receiver, you got to be careful trading Jamal Adams because we know how special he is and getting rid of him, you have no idea what the guy you're getting in his place will actually turn out to be. But... I do think that if they were to make a move like that, it would lead in nicely to the second part of this involving Le'Veon Bell, which would be to build not only a fortress around Sam Darnold, but to have that same fortress be an elite blocking unit for a running back who I still think has plenty left in the tank, but a lot of people after last year may not think so. I think it had more to do with the offensive line. We would find out definitively if part two of your plan comes to fruition. Yeah, and I, I think what I allude to with Bell is that I don't find that this team has the luxury of paying him to play somewhere else next year, which is what it's going to take to get rid of him. Mm-hmm. So, you know, trading him away for pennies and paying him to play somewhere else it should not be in the cards for this team, especially when you're going to create another hole on offense and you're already likely to you lose your lead receiver, Robbie Anderson, to free agency. So if and when you beef up this offensive line, you will increase the likelihood of Bell succeeding and anyone who backs him up or is involved in your running back approach. And you don't have to go through the headache of basically giving him away and then paying half of the salary while he goes somewhere else. And, you know, with this transaction, and I think even if this doesn't happen where the Jets move on from Adams and whatever happens with Bell, I think you're going to shed all of your fat off the roster. There's a lot of obvious moves to make. Cut Tremaine Johnson, cut Brian Winters, cut, De- cut Daryl Roberts, cut Josh Bellamy. Uh, maybe even look at moving on from a guy like Avery Williamson, who I know a lot of fans like, but how much money can you invest in inside linebacker when you're looking to improve so many other spots on the roster? Um, after those moves, in my mind, it is a singular focus on when free agency opens, you are after 
Jack Conklin and you were after Joe Thune giving them the aggressive over-the-market deals that you gave to C.J. Mosley last year to reshape your entire offensive line. There is a new tackle for you. There is a new guard for you. It gives you a little more flexibility in the NFL draft to not be quite as desperate. But you can make a very compelling case that the Jets need a minimum of three new starters on their offensive line and probably would even be benefited by getting up to four while further fleshing out their depth. So Conklin, probably when it comes to the full package, the best available tackle on the market. Uh, Thune, an up-and-coming guard who's probably going to get over $10 million a year. Uh, Conklin's probably looking at over $15 million a year. Those are big, aggressive spends. There's going to be competitive markets for them. You can't get those guys. You know, you go to the second-tier guys, the DJ Humphreys, the Andres Pete of the world. But you have to have your big swings in free agency be around younger offensive linemen to give yourself a little more flexibility in the NFL draft and to keep building around Sam Darnold. So don't get, you know, sidetracked uh, with some of the other positions. Focus on the offensive line and building out the depth there. Hang on to Le'Veon Bell. Don't play him elsewhere. And then supplement that free agency spending in the NFL draft by positioning yourselves to potentially go get a Tristan Wirfs or an Andre Thomas if they're not going to be there for you at 11. Or if you can't get one of them for whatever reason, the sting is a little less because you already have Conklin and Thune or another top tierish option under contract. And then take care of your own business as well. Make sure you get Alex Lewis back. I would make a competitive offer to Kevin Beecham no matter what, Kelvin Beecham no matter what. He might be gone regardless due to, you know, clashing with the coaching staff, but at least get Alex Lewis back. Keep Tom Compton for depth. He was fine in that role last year. You have Chuma Doga floating around for depth. And then in the middle rounds, be looking at some of the center options to compete with Jonathan Harrison, who you already have under contract, whether that's a Nick Harris or a Cesar Ruiz or some of the other guys who could be more like mid mid-round options just keep swinging and really make that tight top eight nine guys as deep and versatile as possible because someone's going to get hurt next year and you don't want the entire thing to fall apart because someone gets hurt so yes i'm saying make two big spends in free agency in the offensive line and use at least two of your first five six picks on the offensive line go above and beyond to protect sam darnold you're keeping Le'Veon bell who's the best pass protecting back in the nfl and is a good outlet for him in the pass game it's just going to make life easier for him when he's playing San Francisco and Seattle's defense next year, playing some of the other more challenging teams on the schedule. We've got to deal with Buffalo's defense twice. Miami's defense will be better now when they start adding talent. Uh, you've got to beef up your protection around Darnold. So it's aggressive, but I want to go all in on the offensive line. I'm with you for the most part. I have minor disagreements. First of all, I would rather try to restructure Avery Williamson's contract before I would go ahead and release him. I think he's a much more valuable piece than a lot of people give him credit for. And I also think that the drop-off from him to the guys that we saw this year was significant. And I know that a lot of people will talk about the number of tackles that we saw, but I think that Avery Williamson is a much more complete linebacker. So I would like to see them work to keep him, even if it means restructuring. I like what you're talking about in terms of Conklin and Thune. I think it would, in a lot of ways, mirror what the Jets did in 2008 when they went out and they got Damian Woody and Alan Fanica. That helped a ton. And then as far as the offensive line in the draft, I want to get into this a little bit deeper because this consumes number three and number four of your points here in terms of the offseason plan. 
I love the idea of not only doubling up, but maybe even tripling up, depending on how many picks you want to use on the offensive line here. You go ahead and you get guys like Alex Lewis. You don't promise them the starting job because maybe you draft a guard that can compete with Alex Lewis for a starting job. You go out and you get somebody at tackle who maybe you don't promise the starting job. Maybe he competes with Chuma Adogo, or maybe you get a draft pick that he competes with. Either way, as you said, you get a center, and maybe that center competes with Jonathan Harrison for the starting center job. The main thing has to be to land as many starters and put together as much good depth as possible on the offensive line, and I think that that's got to be goal number one here. How you achieve it, whether it's a combination of free agency in the draft or whether it's just the draft or whether it's just free agency, whatever it is, you've got to find a way to make that happen. And so let's move along to number three and four because this is exactly what you're talking about here. You talk about round one, going offensive line. You talk about rounds two, three, and four, going more offensive line. So break that down for me and then I'll throw in my own thoughts. I just think there's a real chance at 11 they can get locked out of what those first top four guys are going to be. Uh, in most people's board, Thomas, Becton seems to be rising really high. Worfs, uh, Wills, like those four could be gone at 11. I want enough draft capital to go get one of them if it looks like they're going to not be there. If not, um, you know, it gets a little more challenging in how you're going to address the offensive line. I don't think we'd be surprised to see the Jets ultimately go defense at 11 if all four of those offensive linemen are gone. I don't want to be boxed into that situation. And then I want to add a center on day two to compete with Jonathan Harrison and hopefully ultimately beat him out, you know, in the short and long term as the center. And then if you did trade Adams, you're going to have a second first round pick. Now, could that be two offensive linemen you take? Maybe. Could you go tackle at 11 or you move up a few spots and then you go center in round two and then maybe you take one of these other highly touted receivers with a pick you get back from Dallas uh, that's a little lower in the round and you go get a guy like Justin Jefferson or Henry Ruggs who could be there for you if you're taking your you already used your first first round pick on an offensive line because I think Robbie Anderson's gone. I don't see any way Robbie Anderson's coming back in free agency. I think he's going to hit the market. I think it's a thin market. Some team, might be the Eagles, might be someone else, is going to give them 14 or $15 million a year. The Jets are not going to match that, and they're going to need more talent on the outside to develop with Sam Darnold. So if you have the luxury of having two first-round picks, or you have the luxury of having more flexibility in those first three rounds, taking a swing in the first three rounds at a receiver, uh, higher than I would if they did not acquire extra picks, I think makes sense. And then I mentioned this as another perspective option where – if, if and when Robbie Anderson leaves, could you go get a guy like Brashad Perryman uh, who showed some upside down the stretch in Tampa last year for maybe half the price of Robbie to give you some more veteran insurance? Because I don't want to go into the season with the top three receivers being Jamison Crowder, Demarius Thomas, and a rookie. I think you want to get another free agent veteran in the mix as well. I agree with you that they can't just let Robbie go and not replace him with somebody. Perriman's a decent option, but what I've really warmed up to is the idea of using the transition tag on Robbie Anderson, letting some other team set the market, and then at least the Jets can decide whether or not they want to match. I'm curious to see how high the bidding goes. I think if it ends up being about $13 million, you'd have to consider matching it if it's something that's tenable to you in terms of guaranteed money. And as far as the offensive line, I like the idea of getting extra picks, obviously, but even if you don't have them, I've talked about this before, if you look at the reports that are coming out from a lot of different places, whether it's our friend Connor Rogers over at Bleacher Report, or whether it's our other friend Connor, Connor Hughes over at The Athletic, and by the way, 
if you use the promo code OVERTIME, you can get yourself up to 40% off on a one-year subscription. That is an amazing deal that you want to take advantage of right now. And you won't just get Connor's work. You'll get the work of people from all over the spectrum in every sport. We're talking basketball. We're talking hockey. We're talking football. We're talking baseball. We're talking college. We're talking pro. Names like our buddy Mike Lombardi. Names like Ken Rosenthal. There are so many great writers over at The Athletic, and 40% off is what you'll get if you use the promo code OVERTIME when you go to sign up. It's theathletic.com slash OVERTIME, all lowercase, theathletic.com slash OVERTIME. Quality, in-depth content goes beyond the box score. You get analytics, you get great writing, and on top of that, you get a personalized feed, no advertisements. There's really nothing to lose. 40% off now, theathletic.com slash overtime, all lowercase letters. And as I said, the two Connors are not the only ones that are talking about this. I think Joe Douglas really has a preference for offensive line in the first round at number 11. But as you said, Joe, that may not be a possibility because you look at Andrew Thomas, you look at Tristan Wirfs, you look at Jedrick Wills, and you look at Mekhi Becton, who I love. I absolutely love Mekhi Becton. I would like to get any of those four, but it could come down to a situation where you're sitting at number nine and the Browns are right behind the Jaguars who are at number nine and three of those tackles are off the board and you know that the Browns are going to pick that fourth guy. That point, I think you've got to make the move and jump the Browns and get that pick. So that could be using your own third rounder or if you look at the draft value chart, you might be able to do it with your own fourth rounder and the sixth that the Chiefs gave for Darren Lee. So if you could use the fourth and the sixth or your own third rounder, do what you got to do and jump the Browns because as far as I'm concerned, Joe, I know that a lot of people want to collect picks and it's certainly the preferred thing. I don't like giving away picks, but if there's a tackle that you see sitting there, you have identified as a high level starter for the next eight to 15 years, you've got to go and make that move. And then after that, you still have other picks in the second round, in the third round, and in the fourth round. In this scenario, you would have had to trade one. But even if you don't have to trade one, if you're 11 and you're able to get one of them, you've got those picks regardless. And so now you can go ahead and continue to build. And there are plenty of guys that you can get at center. I know in your article, you mentioned Nick Harris from Washington. That's a popular name. There's another guy that we should be thinking about a little bit closer to home. Temple guy, Matt Hennessy, who is the brother, of course, of long snapper Thomas Hennessy who Clayton Smarslock, our guy at TOJ, was scouting when he was down at the Senior Bowl in Mobile. So that's another one to consider at center, but I think there are a lot of guys that you can get in those rounds on top of wide receivers because I think that the strength of this draft is wide receiver and offensive line. It's not as heavy at edge rusher, but... If there's an excellent edge rusher at 11, that's why I would be okay with drafting that guy at 11 because I think that if you have a general manager you trust, you believe that he can get you good players on the offensive line in the second, third, and fourth round, and he can get you good receivers too. Now, there's a difference between a guy that we're talking about, like a Thomas, a Wirfs, a Becton, a Wills, that maybe you value as a high-level starter, a potential pro bowler for years to come, and a guy that you think could be a solid starter. Because remember, you look at what the Colts did with those picks that the Jets gave them. They were able to get Quentin Nelson, who is maybe the best guard in football, certainly in the discussion. And then Smith, who is their second-round pick, turned into a solid starter. 
and you'd like both of them, but one is clearly much more valuable than the other. So if you can get a Quentin Nelson type, and I'm not saying it has to be as good as Quentin Nelson, but I'm saying that type of level of offensive lineman, then you go ahead and do what you've got to do to get him. And then with wide receivers, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, but I think that there's a lot of value in this draft, and you can go ahead and get a lot of wide receivers there too. But I think in terms of the value at offensive line there is a lot that you can do beyond the first round but do not make the mistake of letting one of those guys if you think that they're a premier talent one of those four guys don't let them slip through your fingers go ahead and get one of them if you feel like that is who that guy is going to be Joe I think that at this point we should probably stop it here and continue part two on the play like a jet podcast tomorrow because I think we've gotten into the offensive line we've gotten into the Jamal Adams stuff we've talked a little bit about draft strategy but there's a lot more meat on this bone that I think we can continue on the play like a jet podcast tomorrow I think that sounds good I think I want to further kind of flesh out what the approach can be a receiver what I think will likely play out and whatever some other routes they could potentially go and also talk about how do they prospectively address the front seven of their defense and what does the secondary look like next year with Jamal Adams without Jamal Adams if they did actually uh, consider trading him so let's carry that conversation over to the play like a jet feed so make sure you subscribe to the Play Like a Jet feed and go listen over there for part two of this conversation. Thank you, everyone, for listening here. We will talk to you soon.